Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me, as always, is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the Director of Development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important market updates and how best to benefit from them. And we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities. So to maximize every episode's value, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download, quote, 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals, unquote. Trust us, this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time. And to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode, please go to Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, let's see what's happening in the financial markets. Welcome, everybody, back to the Four Stars Today's Market Explained podcast and uh, video series. And we have a really, really interesting guest, good friend of mine, who is also uh, one of the leading, uh, I used to call him a venture capitalist, um, but he's really an innovation expert now. And he's in St. Louis, and he's the head of iSelect, which is one of the top innovation and early stage investing companies out there for investors. Uh, Mr. Carter Williams, welcome to the Four Star Today's Market Explained podcast. I explained the whole market today. We're, we're going to get there, right? <laughs> yeah, we, let's go for it. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thanks for coming. And uh, just for full disclosure, we have been investors with iSelect, um, one of your constructs, and we're big innovation fans. Uh, I'm an angel investor from way back, which is related to venture, but even earlier stage. Original Hyde Park investor, right? Hyde Park Angels, that's right. So, um, you know, at the early stage, that's, you know, buying off plans, if you will, in the real estate world. But uh, venture and innovation might be a little bit later stage. But anyway, you tell me, I mean, Carter, what is going on in the early private investing world and the innovation world uh, that you traffic in these days? What's happening in there? Yeah, so we, uh, I just a, a teeny bit of background. I, um, Yes. I've been involved in innovation in various ways throughout my entire career. I, you know, engineer by training was at McDonnell Douglas and Boeing, managing a lot of uh, at the, the the Boeing level, a lot of innovation. And I built a startup that we sold that I, I left Boeing and built a startup in the IoT space and sold that to Johnson Controls. And and now I'm at, at iSelect. And really my entire career has been around you know what's going on? What are you hearing in the marketplace in terms of new innovations? And then, and then trying to figure out that how to bring talent and resources and customers together to to sort of accelerate that process and and drive disruption. The our fund is focused very specifically in what we call food is health, and what that sort of means is that um, at one level we spend 1.7 trillion a year on food in the United States. We spend 1.9 trillion. On the healthcare costs related to poor nutrition, that's a three point six trillion dollar market around. Let's eat better, and uh, and then globally, uh, less understood globally, uh, Asia, the middle class in Asia is growing continuously. Actually, on a global basis, the world's getting better every day, and as right. people move into the middle class, 
they change their diet and they eat more meat. And so when you look at that forecast, uh, there's a lot of demand for more protein in the diet. Uh, there's only so much farmland. Uh, we can only make so many pigs, chickens, and beef, and we're, we're hitting the limits of that growth. So we need to nearly double protein production between now and 2050. And so people who look at something like Beyond or Impossible or the plant-based meat market and think it's just about vegans, really what it is, it's about, you know, meeting that, you know, sometimes it's a more direct solution to use plant-based meats instead mm -hmm. of putting them through a pig. Instead of taking soy, putting it through a pig and delivering it as bacon, which is great, <laughs> I, there's a bit of taking that protein and maybe skipping the pig and, and it's a little bit more efficient to go direct. And so we invest all in and around that area and uh, we pay attention to macro forces. Um, we touch base on things like ESG and such in terms of those positive externalities, but we're fundamentally capitalists in terms of, of what we invest in. And we see an opportunity to look at really on the agriculture side, everything from the dirt up through ingredients. And on the healthcare side, uh, what we refer to as functional medicine is what's all that sort of information and things we can do more directly with, with um, patient care to mm -hmm. help patients get smarter about making right choices. So if you're thinking about this, where are we going to spend 1.7? Should we spend 1.7 trillion eating the wrong things and 1.9 trillion fixing that? Or should we spend 2.2 trillion on eating things and, and, and 300 million on fixing things? Uh, and so we're trying to get that ratio. We're trying to work through the, the fundamental technologies that are, are, are going to alter that ratio. And we're, we're less, you know, how do we all become vegans? And, you know, for example, if, if we, if we change one meal a week in the United States to a plant-based food, that's a 1500% increase in the plant-based meat market. Wow. So it's, this is uh, the market opportunity we see here is not, we're all going to become vegans. It's that our 22-year-old coming back from college is going to say, mom and dad, you know, you got to worry about your health. I'd like you to be here for my wedding. <laughs> um, you know, can you change your diet a little bit? And, and it's, really a, it's really an incremental shift. And so we invest all along that, that framework from the very early stage uh, out through public markets. Yes. So I know that like the iSelect program has many different investments within it. Uh, and I know you have other tranches of investment, not just the iSelect program as well, but are most of your investments now in, uh, you know, food and biotechnology and that kind of thing? Or are you still in some of the traditional business services and other venture capital? No, pretty much. We're very, very focused um, on the even within food up really up to ingredients. We don't do any kind of CPG stuff. We don't do any direct to consumer. We just, we don't know it. We, whatever. We're, we're more about who's the Intel of the new food system. 
who's the Microsoft, who's going to be like core to the platform that's, that's, and some of that's as advanced as, you know, you're getting into things like precision fermentation in which can we, or here's one, here's something we're doing. Um, there's a company. Did you know that pets in the United States, pets, and dogs and cats, my German shepherd, who I think is, I don't know where she is right now, but um, they alone represent five, the number five. If globally, you said you took all the humans in the different locations and how they eat meat, dogs and pets in the U.S. would be the fifth largest consumer of meat in the world. <laughs> so we're looking at a company that rather than taking chickens and making that into pet food, uh, and it's really a part of chickens that you wouldn't eat, but is can we actually make that protein directly through fermentation so we can take the basics, the basic um, genetics, the bi biology of that chicken protein, and we can put it into fermentation, replicate it, and stick it into dog food. And so when we're thinking about globally, there's going to be an increased demand for meat by humans. Can we alter the, alter the source of protein for dogs and cats first because they're, they're not as taste preference? And, right. and so we're looking at things like that in terms of can you, in big blocks. I mean, we're not like trying to come out with like new potato chips or something that tastes better. We're, we're really thinking about the macro system that feeds the entire world. Right. At scale. Wow. So and you mentioned uh, the 1.7 food versus 1.9 healthcare. I mean, the, you're thinking big things, uh, Carter, rather than just like a micro investment. Yeah. You're thinking big ideas and innovation. Uh, so that leads you these, to these great ideas and companies that are involved in that kind of innovation. It does. And it really, when you start thinking about disrupting, uh, I, I trade in my personal account on E-Trade. I got a call from the other day and they said, you know, uh, is there anything else we can do for you? Because you, you made 900 trades last year and we'd like to figure out how to help you. It's like, so now think about this. You know, the, the thing I'm discovering is, you know, there's a certain set of investors who want to be in that early stage stuff. But by being an investor in this early stage stuff, I'm learning a whole bunch of things about, where to go short and long in the public markets. So, you know, on my personal account, I was I, I was buying calls on Nutrien well ahead of the invasion because I knew what was gonna go on with fertilizer. And so what we're starting to see is when you see the whole system changing, uh, that's innovation as an asset class. And that's, there's venture capital, which I've been involved in for a long time, but, there's also the information around venture capital. It's like the last refuge of new information that people don't have access to. And that access, uh, there's a whole bunch of information you get on the public market side, but, but having that access and the optionality that ensues by being an investor in the early stage opportunity. Mm -hmm. And done correctly, it's a non-correlated good long-term investment mm -hmm. uh, and the information around it helps you make other decisions to mm -hmm. to help you know twist and turn what where you are in your other markets so it's just a fascinating 
area and the, the what's going on in the food area. You know, like I built the most advanced weapon systems known to man when I was at Boeing. I've been involved in those early. There, there are things that we did at Boeing that still aren't public, and I left Boeing in '04. Um, so you know. I've been involved in that kind of stuff. And when you think about it, people are like, oh, Farmer John running around on John Deere. Uh, the technology that we're applying in this area is about as Buck Rogers as you can get. And so okay. it really is fairly advanced. What we're doing in biology and 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 plant genetics and um, uh, the biome and improving the quality of soil health. Uh, we've got a company, Kula uh, Biome. Um, which is the next generation. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever read that Bosch, book on the Bosch cycle? Do you even know what the Bosch I, cycle is? Yes. Yeah. So like we used to make all of our fertilizer in the United States off of backlog that we would take out of South America and we would go to war in South America to get access to backlog. And it, you know, 400,000 years of bats going in caves built up these giant reserves of nitrogen. And in the late 1800s, early 1900s, we would go invade countries to get access to that. So then this guy invented the Bosch cycle that made it so we could make fertilizer without having to do that. It uses a lot of natural gas and it transformed agriculture. Absolutely, completely revolutionized. One of the greatest discoveries of man that basically people don't know much about, created fertilizer. Well, now we're right on the edge of the next great discovery. And that is, is we can take microbes and, and embed it in the soil. And, and the, the main place we get nitrogen in the air are things like uh, lightning. So lightning, uh, you know, is that smell and such. I think it's the smell. But anyway, lightning creates, you know, puts nitrogen, makes nitrogen available in the air. And, and plants grab that nitrogen and convert it. Well, by putting microbes in the soil, we can make it so that it's easier for the plants to get that nitrogen. So they need less fertilizer. And it's, it looks like it's cheaper than fertilizer. It's more natural so you don't get runoff like you get into like Lake Erie um, causing algae blooms. And it's a, it's a more natural process, it's cheaper. Uh, and it's really that same kind of revolution that we saw in the early 1900s with the Bosch cycle, we're, we're right at the front end of that cycle. Um, so that means go long, cool, go short nutrient, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it's one of those kinds of things. I guess we could be a long, short hedge fund. I mean, most investors, when they think of creating a portfolio, Carter, they're thinking about dividends and maybe stock growth and things like that. But this conversation is totally different. It's um, yeah. fading and, and new ideas that will be the future over the next decade or decades. Um, new programs, new chemicals, new ways to think. Like maybe you shouldn't eat meat all the time. Maybe you can eat plant-based protein. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exciting stuff. So yeah. um, Now, the thing we don't know that you, you have to help us figure out um, this is all cool stuff, but, but you know, people shouldn't put 100% of their portfolio into it. Um, yeah. We, yeah. we do try to say we want to give you a good return. We want to be matched with your portfolio. Like, when right. are you 
retire, you know, there's an illiquidity to what we do. So right. if you retire in 20 years, this is good. If you're retiring a year, it's not. Um, and then we also like the idea that people can think what they're doing is happy about it, that, you know, that you're, you're improving things for your children. I mean, that, so we, we try to get those three things aligned, but we, you know, in many ways we sort of, we're two things. We're a innovation investor pulling this, the best people and the best information we possibly can, but we're also a fintech startup. And that means that, uh, here's a shocking number. There's 65 trillion high net worth assets in the United States. 65 trillion. Venture capital is one of the greatest creators of good in the world. So many good things have been solved by innovation. But in the United States, so $65 trillion of assets that could invest in venture capital and only about $700 billion is, are. Right. So that's like that's like uh, maybe 100 basis points. I don't know. I got to redo the math. Um, but if only 3% went, that'd be even a significant boost. Well, if we went I mean, to 3%, it would be a threefold increase. I, I right. personally think... It would so you can go to endowments and those endowments are fully invested. The pension funds are fully invested. They're all sort of invested in venture. They've been doing it for a long time. Yale is like at eighteen percent allocation right. to venture, but most most average investors aren't. And we what we found is it's too hard to get access. Right, it's, it's less about risk. If you're and so we we're sort of sitting back as a fintech company and sort of saying why don't how do we make it so that like Anybody, anybody in the United States, no matter who they are, they could be, you know, I, Elon Musk or Joe the Plumber. Right. Anyone, I can allocate three percent of their um, investment to innovation. Yeah. So Carter, if if we did see, you know, I noticed that in the last 10 years, the angel investing world has seen dramatic increases in the amount of money going into angel. So if we saw that kind of boost in innovation, would that also perhaps make the deals not as attractive? Would we see inflation in deal prices? I uh, so there are probably 60 primary SIC codes in the United States. TMT Media has a lot of venture capital. It the other ones don't. Right. So would we see media prices get wrong? Would we see tech get wrong if people overinvested? Yeah. Ag. Uh, we could probably throw another fifty billion at ag before before the returns drop below. 20%. Interesting. So <clears throat> we're um, headquartered in Chicago and nearby is DeKalb Genetics and DeKalb, Illinois, originally where it's from. And uh, you see all these different, you know, what kind of mutated grains and different things. Uh, and this is all part of that innovation stream that, that you know, comes out of, you know, the, the big innovation shops. Um, 
you know, what's going on in agriculture then that we should be concerned about? In addition to the, the plant-based uh, proteins, what else is happening in the agriculture world? Yeah, so the, we're getting a realignment of everybody up the vertical. So, um, you know, the industry is incredibly efficient. You know, Ford didn't invent the car, they invented the moving line assembly. And they made cars go from here to here in cost. So uh, ADM and Bungie and Cargill and all these farmers, they've all got everything lined up to really bring down the cost of food. And we've done that over the last 40, 50 years. Monsanto's focused on yield. So we used to, on computer processors, we used to care about processor speed. Like I remember, you know, got to get that process a little faster, a little faster. Now, I don't think anybody bases it on processor speed. They, they buy it based on, on uh, how long it will run on its battery. It's changed our philosophy on, on our, the, the, your paradigm shift. So what's happening in food, we spent 40, 50 years optimizing food for yield to feed the world and really end starvation by bringing price down. Now we're saying it's not just yield, it's food and nutrition. It's not just food and nutrition, it's mom and dad at the grocery store looking at the label, not looking at calories, but looking at the micronutrients. Right. So what's starting to happen is we, we built this entire supply chain to optimize on commodity grains. And now what's happening is mom and dad are, are saying, I'm worried about some additional things. So that retail pressure of, I need to know more is coming in. And what does that mean? That means in a sense, you have to connect what's going on in the farm through the entire supply chain that's currently a commodity supply chain. Uh, okay. and, and now you need to connect it with all the information. So this is what's happening. And it's happening with Benson Hill, one of our portfolio companies that is number one in the next generation protein quality of soy. They just signed a deal with Kellogg's directly to supply um, Kellogg. So the classical business in seed is farmer buy seed from Monsanto, farmer plant it, farmer go find how to sell to a grain elevator that goes to Bungie, who goes to, to Ingredient, who then delivers it to Kellogg. Now what's happening is Kellogg's is saying, I need this quality of protein I need to use less energy. I need to have less CO2 output. I need to make sure that it, it does as less fertilizer. It has, so they've got this longer list of stuff. Benson is saying, what we'll do is we'll work with a set of farmers. We'll give them the recipe for growing. We won't sell them the seed. We'll sell them the offtake. If you grow this, we'll pay you this amount of acre per acre to do this. And so then what they're, then what's happening is, Biologics companies are coming in saying, well, we can get you out of fertilizer by using Kula. And then, and then another company, Vestron, can say, we can kill all the bugs with a biologic rather than synthetic chemical, and we can cut the bugs down. And by the way, we can adapt this more quickly so that when you've got these changes in bugs, we can come up with a little protein that kills just the right bugs. It won't kill the bees, just kills the bugs we need to kill. And so those people are coming online. And then we've got companies like Growers Edge that's coming in and saying, hey, Mr. Farmer, you're trying to adopt this new technology. I'll give you asset-based lending that reduces your risk. 
and I'll help you speed up your process of adopting new technology. And then we've got companies like Macaris that says, hey, the CBOE has got to now figure out I'm not just selling yellow corn at three, uh, yellow corn three to go into this, but I've got a, a specialty protein that has some other qualities and I've got a label associated with it so I can say it's really that, that they're selling the soy and I want to sell it not to Kellogg's, but maybe others. And so you've got a whole bunch of things going on in that data stream that are coming online and other providers building themselves around the genetics. So on the genetics side, we're focused on not yield, but yield, taste, and nutrition so that we build higher quality food. And then the the other smart kids are coming in and they're they're building other things around that system. And then Benson is actually not looking at what the nutritional quality is on the label, but they're going to go look at what the metabolic effect is in the human. So on that side, on the healthcare side, we've been taught for years that better health is monitoring calories. It's not. You can be fat healthy, you can be thin unhealthy, and that is metabolic health. So we're starting to learn that certainly people know about being diabetic. Right. And then they're starting to know about being pre-diabetic. Well, right. the best researchers are actually saying the damage occurs before you're pre-diabetic. You're metabolically unhealthy. And that you do that for a period of time. So what we're starting to see is the ag genetics people are now taking their product, putting it in humans mm -hmm. and, and animals and seeing what is the metabolic effect on insulin mm -hmm. and, and really looking at what you absorb rather than what they think you absorb. And so these people are working very hard at tying that all together. And, and over the next, you know, 20 years from now, it'll all be blatantly blinding flash of the obvious. But, but right now, all of those companies are lining up and doing new things um, that, that investors, once we get past this innovation phase, right. we move, we're out of innovation as an asset class and we're in the, hey, I want to hold equity stocks and bonds. You know, that's, that's over here. Um, but it's a, it's really a fascinating period of time. And I don't, I don't and, and it's so many different fronts. You can, they're public marketplace, they're private marketplace. They're, they're just fascinating plays to just know something about, to talk about at dinner. It really is. And just hearing you describe it all is fascinating uh, for, for uh, me and all of our listeners, I'm sure. Um, just kind of wondering where things are going to go next and, uh, there's always some new ideas every day, and you, you're right at the forefront of that, which is really cool. Yeah. And I won't say that we always know. Yeah, you know, I'm always cautious about. I've learned in life that I'm pretty close to what will happen. I'm not close to the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, right can't always predict it. No, but that you know that's I. If you ever pull up the Tesla curve or the Amazon curve, and then you probably pull up some curves for companies that don't exist now, but uh, 
at this point, seeing where those companies are, you know, if you had invested earlier and it was for, sort of flat for five years, uh, you're not unhappy. Yeah, yeah. And if you're still a holder, uh, you're really happy. Yeah, the long cycle. Um, well, when you invest in innovation or a related venture capital or angel, you need a long time frame, right? You, know, you can't, can't always predict when it's going to work if it works. Yeah, and I think it's perfectly, that's why we're sort of a 3% mindset is um, to understand what's going on, you need information. To get information, you really need a little skin in the game. Yeah. If you're getting advice from somebody on the side that doesn't have skin in the game, uh, it you're not going to get it. Uh, so we spend a lot of time, we really think of ourselves not in the investment business, but the information business. Right. And we invest to get the information. Um, and then we create optionality in our investments. So that's the other um, people like Y Combinator and Hyde Park Angels and have said, hey, you know, if you invest in 50, 60 early stage companies broadly, it will pay off. Right. Well, it pays off in two, three ways, three ways. Yeah. One, you get a return because you've diversified your investment. So, okay, you know, there'll be two of those will really take off. Two, you get information. You, you learn stuff that other people don't know. I mean, I mean, how many things have you picked up in that space and gone out to dinner with somebody else and started telling about them? Like, I had no idea. I, I, yeah. And three, you get an option. You get optionality. When you have those participation rights, Two out of those 10 companies are going to take off. And, you know, I, I had Madugliano as a professor at MIT. I, the whole original portfolio theory, balance, diversification. They also taught options there. And if you've made a diversified investment early on, and two out of 10 of those have sort of struggled their way through, and two out of 10 are really moving ahead. Mm-hmm. To know that, hey, this is pre-pre-IPO and it's moving well above the J-curve and it's really performing, that's an interesting time to start talking about a non-diversified investment mm-hmm. because you've, you've been paying attention to the company for three years, you've seen their quarterly reports, you've, you've talked to people, you, you know, that's, that's a point in time where you you have what a GP and a venture fund has, which is a, a huge asymmetric advantage in information. Yeah. But Carter, you mentioned, you know, out of a list of companies, maybe two would take off. Is that is that kind of the ratio generally? Uh, yeah. like maybe 10% of the of the of the winner of the investments are the big winners and the others are all losers. They, you know, they wander off yeah. sort of what's a yeah. A couple do two double, a couple do one X and the others sort yeah. of go off. Um, kind of, so it's really, and, and how can you tell in the beginning? Like I remember in my days at Hyde Park Angels, every investment we did, we thought would be a huge winner, the next Google. And of course it doesn't work that way. How does it work in the innovation space? Is there any, is there any sense of it or you just have to diversify well? You got to diversify. Look, I've been, I've been at this long enough to know that the the diversification uh, you got to 
you got to learn from your failures. Right. There are two parts of this portfolio that return. The, the two that take off and the eight that don't, those eight that don't, there's signal value in those eight that don't. Mm-hmm. Those eight that don't take off, tell you not to go after that investment somewhere else. Right. Or they tell you, you know, the old classic, you know, you take a deck of cards out, you, you flip the, you're looking for the jack of diamonds, you flip a card over, you're one closer to getting to the jack of diamonds. It's not the right. jack of diamonds, uh, you're one closer. Uh, right. So uh, you have to, I, I think to, I, uh, you can't have the hubris to know everything. Mm-hmm. I, you have to, uh, you, you apply diversification to earn the option. Okay. Okay. So you invest early. You do diligence. So you're not doing something just straight out stupid. Strong training, reasonable technology. So you you really got to, it's easy to get rid of the, don't do something incredibly stupid part. And I think you have to take an option view. If you read the Yale Endowment Report, Yale's 18% allocated to venture capital, they say we like venture capital for its optionality. And this is what they, I think they mean, is when that, those two to take off, and you have a participation right to invest, you got to have cash available to exercise that right. But if you don't have cash available, then it passes you by. I don't know if you've ever seen this, like the deal comes along and while the alpha at that transaction at a series C at a mid-stage, it's not public yet, it's on its way, why the alpha forward may have dropped a lot, you know, your early investments a 20 xer but this is, that'd be a 4 xer Your beta has come down dramatically. And so from an alpha beta standpoint, if you have cash available, that's not unlike leveraging up on the efficient frontier is you, you're, you're at a spot and you got to use leverage to, to upscale. And I think that's really what Yale does. Yale's got so much cash stirring around their system that they get, their two out of 10 show up once a week. Oh, and they can, they can focus on those and they find out, they look at the whole waterfront. These aren't working and these are, so let's go over here. Right. And so we are, we are trying, one thing that we're trying to do is say, you know, in a sense, Yale has one client, but they're, they're, all these different sources that came into it. One of the things we're trying to do from a fintech standpoint is say, well, if we can aggregate everybody's money, the smaller investors, and then managing as an advisor to, to pull the trigger so that we always have cash when that option makes itself available once a week, um, that that would really create something novel for the marketplace. Yeah. So Carter, all these great ideas and, and, and mo- most um, individual investors really have not been able to invest in this kind of category because the minimums are high and the requirements are high, but yet uh, the iSelect program has created a diversified program for 
25, $50,000, you can get a diversified yeah. program, any different uh, investments. And then, then you have that optionality, right? Like you're right. talking about. Right. The so fund we, we, yeah. we started this fund with the idea from a fintech side, let's create something new for the marketplace. So let's be, we, we wake up every morning and we say, let's be a, a better VC every day. And then let's create innovations that open up the marketplace to go after all these people that aren't investing in venture capital or innovation because they don't have access. Mm. That thing too for us is access. How do we, and you said it, we lower the minimum. That's one step. I uh, take participation rights, make them more visible. Um, educate them in the same way that a GP, you know, the venture fund would talk to itself. Let's take that information and let's keep getting it to our investors so that they're better educated about it. And so we, and we'll do more, but um, what we're trying to do is change that, that environment. And then if we do that well, more people will provide capital, we'll be able to grow the farm, we'll be able to grow and we'll, you know, that's a skin in the game. We've, you know, let's prove it to everybody. And so we have lowered the minimums, you know, so your clients can come in at $25,000, $50,000 levels. We like people to think about a 3% of net worth allocation. So invest $50,000 in a diversified set. Two out of 10 will mature. When they mature, maybe put in ten, twenty thousand dollars into those individual deals once they've been de-risked a bit. Then you have an opportunity there and you know what they are because you're invested and you have like an early view. So right. So that, you know, if you're a if you're, you know, the three percent of your net if you're a two million dollar or three million dollar net worth person that you're you're thinking about um two or three percent of your investment. If you're further away from retirement, you know, you're a young person, you're 40 years old, stick it in your IRA, you know, think about $100,000, $200,000 allocated to this and have it keep sort of pecking away at the venture side. And, it, you know, after 20 mm -hmm. years, that's a, that turns into a nice, a nice chunk. That's growth vehicle. Oh, we're not down at all. I just tell you, we're not down at all in the last three months. We're, we're non-correlated. <laughs> we're, we're doing up rounds. We did three companies with major up rounds in this period of time. With That's the other aspect of it. Well, certainly if there's a biotech and grains, uh, the grain markets uh, are really, really strong now as well. Is it just out because of the war over in, over in Europe? Yeah. So the best, I, I will say I own 300,000 shares of it. Um, but Benson Hill, so I, I and we took it public. But Benson Hill uh, has gone through a bit of a training, uh, trading batter beat up. But uh, they're top performer in terms of protein and their biotech. So you sort of get the commodity play and you get the uh, the biotech play all in one. Um, it's a messy market right now, but that's a that's an interesting that's a innovation in the public markets. So we, we mentioned plant-based protein, other grains, any other uh, subjects that you think are really topical for innovation right now? Data, uh, data around um, both to help improve performance in the field and uh, transparency. 
I think uh, supply chain realignment, it's outside our area, but seeing some supply chain realignment, um, I don't really know what they were to invest quite there yet in the public markets. Uh, on the healthcare side, anything that's um, tokenizing data around healthcare, uh, making it so that you know we're going to get a lot more longitudinal data, meaning uh, Fitbits and, and uh, Garmin's and iPhones and data around our health coming in and changing the healthcare market into what we call functional medicine. Functional medicine is really you taking more control of your healthcare directly and the people other than doctors helping provide better healthcare uh, and the services in and around that. Um, uh, you know, you're seeing that with like some of the urgent care facilities are moving in that direction, but I think we're going to see a, a fairly major disruption on the horizon where um, healthcare is going to move away from doctors and get better. Nice. Nice. Well, it's really fascinating. You know, we, most of our podcast uh, interviews are about this stock or that stock or the investing world or commodities. And uh, this has been a completely different conversation. I think people can tell that investors in innovation have big thoughts, big ideas, changing the world. Uh, it's really an exciting area. And uh, the iSelect program gives folks an opportunity to diversify in that area. Of course, everybody who is listening today has to consult with their financial advisor and make sure that uh, they're qualified and everything's in line with their goals and risk tolerance. But for those it's appropriate, this could be a very interesting area to consider. And uh, Car Carter uh, certainly has lots of great ideas on how we can innovate and see some great growth uh, from early stage companies where we're coming up with new ideas to change the world. Yes. And I, you know, the great thing about our uh, working with firms uh, is, is that we we're real focused in this as a sector and we, we prefer to work with firms that financial advisors that can sort of look at the, the full picture of the client and, and tailor it to the right way um, to where it is important that people use what we do correctly uh, so that we can drive the kind, we can do the right thing with our clients to drive the right kind of innovation. So I really appreciate all your help in that regard. Absolutely. Well, Carter, this has been a great discussion. We hope we can check in with you again, um, maybe later in the year. And see if there's anything new in innovation, uh, one thing, uh, the, the old line that the only constant is change. And that sounds like in your world, uh, that's always changing. It is. Uh, I appreciate it. Glad to come anytime an exciting, uh, exciting area. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Carter, for being with us today on the Four Stars Today's Market Explained podcast. And uh, we'll be back with another discussion on another great subject and a market commentary uh, next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on 
TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an SEC registered investment advisor, maintains a principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's notice file or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about Four Star's registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's Form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. Thank you.